Hi, and welcome to my first English episode ever. This is normally a German podcast, but I will do some occasional English interviews and chats with friends or experts from all over the world. And this interview today I had in mind from the very beginning of the idea for this show. Um, she just popped into my head during my morning meditation and I was like, I have to talk to her again. This is Ariel Cottingham. She's a performance artist. She's a poetry slammer. She won the Australian um, Poetry Slam Championship in 2016, I think, and a lot of other prizes. She's got some own books with her collections of poetry. She's a wonderful woman. She's doing powerful work and she taught me so much when I was traveling in Melbourne in Australia and when I lived there and I watched some of her performances and her friends performances and it taught me so much about understanding where we all come from other perspectives in life other yeah other ways of growing up and other difficulties people have that I don't know I don't understand and this is what this um, episode is about this is about trying to understand other perspectives, other problems, other difficulties that I can't see or, yeah, I have to learn them through talking to people. And she taught me so much about being woman, being a woman of color, um, queer communities and their troubles and all of that. And this podcast is about basically expanding consciousness to sometimes perhaps an uncomfortable level and where you realize that you did something wrong perhaps for a couple of years for all your life and now with these new informations you can yeah change your behavior for the better and be more conscious in the way you treat people how you react and act so that you don't yeah harm people so much or that you're just aware of some problems that you haven't seen before so this is me passing on these lessons passing on these learnings through this yeah interview with ariel cottingham check her out she got awesome performances online on youtube on facebook and once the lockdown is finished keep an eye out for her shows her performances she's in berlin right now so check that out but for now just enjoy this interview Hi, my name is Fabian Forth, and in this podcast I get to the bottom of the question, why are we the way we are? How much are we influenced by our past, our environment and social conventions without realizing it? What is normal and how do we create a world in which we like to live in? I take you with me on my own journey to understanding, talk to experts and friends about unconscious thinking and behavior, and provide tools for self-reflection. Welcome to the big why real change starts with you so yeah how is berlin like how long have you been there uh now? berlin we moved here in august I and it's taken us until april to find long-term oh, yeah. living so we've been bouncing around we've moved i think like including the move from from australia it was I think we've moved five times in the last oh, eight months. <laughs> but like, 
you you yeah. came from Australia to America again, Texas or something, and then back no. and then back. No. Oh man! <laughs> so since we've seen each other, it's been very, yeah. it's been very all over the place. Um, so after after we saw each other in Australia, I yeah. went back to America for a little while, and then I went back to Australia to go on tour. Um, and that was when my partner and I decided, like, hey, we should try and actually make this a thing back yeah. in 2017, uh, at the end of 2017. So 2018, I went back to America again, worked three jobs, saved <laughs> up a bunch of money, and then moved back to Australia. <laughs> crazy. And then we were going through all of the process of trying to figure out all of the um, putting together the partner visa for Australia. Mm. Uh, and then at the end of it, we were like, oh, but then we'd be stuck in Australia for the next five years. And we didn't really oh, yeah. do that. <laughs> we can't leave. Or else yeah. you have to start the whole thing over again, unless you pay the government an extra like 200 bucks every time you wanted to leave the country. And you had to give yeah. them a reason why you were going to leave the country. Like it had to be a good reason. Like you mm. can't just be like, oh, we're going on holiday. Like, no, <laughs> you have to, <laughs> you have to be yeah. like, my grandmother is dying. <laughs> Yeah, shit. That's uh, annoying. Oh. So we took the money that we'd saved up for the partner visa and decided to move to Europe instead. Mm. Um, after a year in Australia. Um, and then, yeah, so we were kind of looking around, trying to figure out which country would have the best visas for both of us. Yeah. And Berlin has artist visas. So I was like, cool, I've been a working artist for a few years now. <laughs> Cool. Work. <laughs> yeah. Your boyfriend yeah, is, I mean, he's German, all right? He's got a German no. passport, no? No. No, he is Australian but with a ah. British passport as well. Okay. So he's actually looking for a job here in uh, Berlin as well, so that he has the he has work rights to stay before mm. Brexit. Yeah, right. At the end of the right. year. <laughs> Yeah, my my friend's uh, my cousin's boyfriend. She, he's is from like a British Irish mix, and he now yeah. took the Irish passport to be sure to be able to stay in Berlin and keep living there. Yeah, so weird. Yeah, that was you know. real smart. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I just I tried to figure out when we really saw each other the last time, and I thought there was this little weird bookshop some suburb of melbourne and you gave some kind of performance with some other people it was like this weird really uh, narrow library kind of bookstore thing you probably had more like a lot more performances everywhere <laughs> you wouldn't remember i'm just trying to think because there were a few because i've no We met at the African Cafe. Yeah, the Jumbo thing. Jumbo Cafe, yeah. <laughs> Jumbo that was really cool. <laughs> trying to think of other places. Because I know you came to other shows, but I can't remember. I did so many shows that year. That was I, To give you a hint, I gave you this little book I was carrying around because I thought it fits yeah. you. But I didn't yeah. know if it was ever interesting to you i just thought it's it'll be a nice well i couldn't read it but i still have it it's in a box under oh, the really? house in tasmania in storage oh, yeah crazy. that's cool <laughs> that's sweet 
Yeah. No, I kept it like, I was like, okay, this is like going to go to another special person someday. And then I just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now it could be first book you read in German. It could. It could. <laughs> <laughs> If it's ever Once necessary. I get up. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah, exciting. I don't know. But I was always following your stuff. Um, and I saw you did some performances in Berlin already. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, there's a pretty nice English-speaking um, poetry community here in Berlin. Mm. Um, there's like a solid few gigs, maybe like four or five that I know of that happen pretty regularly. Um, yeah, like it's hard to find, like, because they all pay a little bit, but it's not it's not really like in Australia where like you get paid, like, oh, you'll get paid anywhere between like 50 to 200 bucks for a game. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. you get like a cut of the door, like 80% of the door or something. And it's mm. not a whole lot because it's a very small community in Berlin. Yeah. Um, but the German poetry slams are really, really cool. Um, They have some big ones. Those. Uh, like there was one that where, You got, it was behind a curtain and they put a light on behind you. So you're only in, the only thing the audience can see is shadows. So you have to like oh, okay. find ways to play with <laughs> shadows. It's, it was really, really fun. That's cool. But <laughs> you've always great been. when you're a very physical performer. <laughs> yeah, you've always been quite physical and using everything. Yeah. Cool. I, I even did my first perform, like, poetry thing last year the first time ever i i yeah. never had the guts to really go on stage and there was like an open stage and i opened it with like three poems and they were even in english it was a whole almost complete german crowd in a german cafe <laughs> and then i go up and the german guys doing some english it was a bit of like they probably thought like what the hell is he doing up there uh, but <laughs> Um, I think people liked it. There was like the, the the barista girl came up some days later to me and was like, I really liked your stuff. Um, hey, but awesome. that was a bit of a like expanding my comfort zone again and again and again and again. Did so many things yeah. already, but this poetry stuff, I never got through it. I don't know, to really perform oh, that's it. That's exciting. I wish I had seen it. <laughs> I think my girlfriend recorded it, but I never watched it again because I was like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, and actually it was a bit about like, uh, one of the poems I performed was a bit about anti-discrimination, like get labels off your back and stuff. But then mm -hmm. again, I was thinking like, I, like my head spun around it like hey i'm this white dude talking about anti-labels am i allowed even to do that because <laughs> i am the one that never got that i don't know discrimination stuff i i didn't have that in my life and that's actually a good bridge to what i was going to talk to you about yeah um Because I remember when I first met you after the Jumbo Cafe, um, mm -hmm. we were by accident, we were meeting up at the train again. We were sitting in the train 
and you had something in your in one of your poems about your freckles and your mixed um hair from there and skin from there and freckles from there and yeah. mixed culture stuff and i was almost about to do all that stuff that you shouldn't do like asking <laughs> to touch hair and talking about the i don't know the freckles or skin and whatever and then you before i could start it you were saying like oh there's so many people annoying they always want to touch my hair and i was like oh, i shouldn't do that now <laughs> so actually yeah. that's kind of my hook and that's all i prepared for this because <laughs> that's kind of um my big question like what what's what's wrong with that like why what what does a german white dude straight guy like me who has who's in no category of discrimination on the most parts yeah. of the planet <laughs> What yeah. do I have to understand? Where do I have to take care? And what should I not do, perhaps? But yeah, well, you probably have some thoughts on that. <laughs> well, yeah, small questions, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think for specifically the hair thing, um, oh. it's, it kind of sits at the intersection of uh, something called misogynoir. It's this term that's been coined by, uh, I think her name is Moya Bailey. She's a, an American anthropologist or sociologist or something. Um, but she would coin this term to describe the very like unique mixture of like sexism and racism that happens to black women. Mm -hmm. um, and so as, as a woman, solely just as a woman even as a white woman like life is very like your whole like you're always a sexual object either you are mm. a, like the madonna horror thing like you're either a mother or a sex object um yeah. and like it's very it's a very narrow box um but then like you add racism into that and um Black women especially are often seen as like more sexual um, mm. and that comes from a lot of the like colonial ideas from when Europe was colonizing Africa and like the way these um, colonists described black women um, like the whole thing about like having like massive asses and like crazy hair and all of this stuff um, And so that uh, those things meet in a very specific way for black women. Um, so like touching the hair, um, as a woman, you're already like, people see fit to touch you all the time. Like people invade your space, like you don't have any like agency or privacy. Like you're some, like walking down the street, you are like, people tell you to smile because you'd be so much prettier because mm. you like you as a woman owe prettiness to the world. <laughs> Um, but then to have your space invaded because your hair is curly, um, it's like a people around asking white women to touch their hair. Um, and it's because curly hair is different. It's exotic. It's foreign. Um, mm. like people feel more drawn to it because it's exotic and different. Yeah. Um, but it's also just a, 
for the reminder that like you as a specifically black woman have less agency over who gets to touch you and who doesn't than a white woman does because no one's asking to like violate that particular boundary. Um, also just because it's weird for total strangers to touch yeah, other right. total strangers. Actually, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, yeah, to even, yeah, when you say that, it's actually weird to ask the question at all because people ask you <laughs> to touch something in your face is kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, like I used to do this thing and it backfired on me one time, so I don't do it anymore. Um, and this woman asked, Uh, if she could touch my hair and just immediately asked back, like, can I touch your tits? And like, and then I just like laughed and like ran away. And then her <laughs> friend came up to me later and she was like, what happened? I thought like, my friend's sad because she thought you were going to touch her tits. <laughs> like, That's not what I wanted. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so it didn't quite illustrate my point, but I was trying yeah, to okay. like, make the point of like, it's a weird thing. Like, oh, Oh, did you know like <laughs> yeah true true yeah so yeah what what would be the right or like is it possible to say something nice just about like in general without being weird like there's a big mm. or like as a guy you can quickly get creepy i think but yeah. um It's just like, hey, I love your hair, and then yeah. move on and stuff. Yeah, um, that's that's pretty much the easiest way <laughs> to do it. Um, yeah. And to be fair, like some people, because their hair is so different, um, and so many people comment on it, um, sometimes even saying a compliment like, oh, I really love your hair, even that can kind of like get under your skin a little bit sometimes. Mm. Um, even a good natured compliment. Um, it really just depends on the person and how much um, like microaggressions, I guess you'd call them, they deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, but I mean, if you, if you, someone's hair is just so good <laughs> that you mm. feel the need to compliment <laughs> on it, like maybe be specific about yeah, why yeah. it's so beautiful. Like, or like, Oh, like the way like your braids frame your face is really nice or like something like more personalized than like, oh, your hair's really nice. Like, it's yeah. like oh, your hair's really different. Like, yeah, right. I know my hair's different. And I, <laughs> <laughs> come on, like, <laughs> tell me something interesting. <laughs> mm. Yeah, true. Uh, just the why, why should somebody actually mention that? Like, It's not yeah. some specific super good compliment from a special person. It's just like random people <laughs> talking about how you look and uh, that I get that. Yeah. It's just But I mean, often not necessary. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of depends on like, sometimes you just want to be nice to a stranger and give a compliment. I like to yeah. do that. I like to yeah. try and give a compliment to a stranger a day. I mean, not now because we're in the middle of the pandemic. <laughs> And not seeing people. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, but you can give a compliment yeah, to it, your boyfriend on the mirror every day. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> uh, just sorry, poet brain was like, like look at a mirror as if it's a compliment. Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a healthy way. <laughs> yeah, well, with my 
mm, performance thingy. It was about like, like the message was kind of like, we all get labeled from the day we're born and why can't we just drop that? But mm. what would you think when there's, or like, well, you have a lot of friends, you know, and then you know, they're on the, like they're reflected on themselves too and stuff. Mm. Mm. What do you say if you see somebody like me without knowing me and then do somebody does a piece like that on stage? Is that weird? I was always going to ask after my gig thing. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, Because in the end, like, it was about me too. Like, I, I'm always labeled as a white whatever dude. People ask me when I travel if I'm, I don't know, I'm supposed to like soccer and um, talk about sex all day and do all that kind of stuff. And that's annoying as well. It's not discrimination as it can be in different labels but yeah. um so i was just talking in general about that but yeah, yeah. is that possible for me <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'm not here as the be all end all sponsor <laughs> of anybody's work <laughs> yeah of course um but i mean i think i think having I think as, especially as a poet and as a writer, um, I think language is really important and having labels as a short cultural shorthand can be useful and it can also be harmful, obviously. Um, and yeah, I think having labels as means having the language to talk about something um, and having language to talk about something is empowering because like if we didn't have a word for like black or white, mm. how would we talk about things like racism? Or if we didn't have yeah. uh, labels like trans or queer or gay or lesbian or all of these terms, like there is no like language to describe that identity. Mm. Um, and that's why I think a lot of people like are really um, getting serious about like which pronouns they prefer because it's like this is like language is important yeah <laughs> like language is like the foundation of most communication uh, between people and if we don't have the language to describe something um, then like it's almost like it doesn't exist yeah right so but I mean the, like it's a double-edged sword because the other side of that is like labels become shorthand for things that don't necessarily fit into those labels like mm. as a as a straight dude it's like ah clearly you must love sports and sex it's like that's too far a leap um yeah. but i think it's more useful to talk about labels like that in terms of like all right so like if you're a white dude that doesn't necessarily mean you're all about sports all the time but it does mean that you don't have like personal lived experience of what it's like to be like an Asian woman. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like it's like being frustrated with the connotations that your own labels have is obviously frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like if you did a whole poem about how like you, just because you're a white guy doesn't mean you like sports. It's like, oh yeah. 
Tell they're me def- more about how yeah. <laughs> like the people define you based on what they see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the, I know about yeah. that. <laughs> it wasn't like that. Um, so <laughs> I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to talk about. I think it's all in like the context and the framing. Like it's a very like you can flip it as a very fun and easy way to make fun of people who yeah. put too much stock in labels. It's like, yeah, I'm a white dude. Oh, it's funny. <laughs> yeah, well, there are a lot of people who do that as well, I think. Exactly. So you make fun <laughs> of them for that. Yeah. <laughs> like you can write about how it's dumb <laughs> and like use yourself as an example of why this is dumb. And it still applies to everybody because it's dumb across the board, regardless of what yeah. your labels are. Um, but yeah, it's just about like context. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I think in, 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 in Auckland, a year after Australia somewhere, I've seen yeah, a dude doing, I don't know, he was doing exactly that, like over exaggerating and so making it funny again, like complaining as a white dude and like, I don't know, yeah. and bashing on that. But in the end, it was funny because it was, double whatever i can't explain yeah. it. my english is rusty <laughs> you're doing great <laughs> um but yeah the the biggest point in the whole story um isn't that i, I wasn't sure if i should open that box um i just mention it i think we shouldn't talk about the whole thing because that would go too big but that time 2016 i think was when the black lives matter stuff came up and then all the and then there was this um quite white male backlash um of people not really grasping the idea of what it's about and stuff and you just said that that the main idea isn't it that me i can never really grasp what it is Like you said that, I never know how it is to be an Asian woman living perhaps like either in Asia or back in Europe, America, whatever. Like I cannot understand how it is to grow up as a black kid in a white neighborhood or anything and don't feel all of this, whatever it does to me. Yeah. I think it's... um... I think you can try to understand and empathize to the the best of your ability because that's just being a good human is trying yeah. to empathize with people, especially people with different lived experiences. Um, like you're, I mean, you're never going to know what it's like to get called the N word to your face by a group yeah. of people who want to do you harm. Yeah. Um, but you can still like, there's still the very human element of fear and shame and, anger and like just blinding rage sometimes (laughs) um but like just because you don't necessarily experience it or live through it doesn't mean you can't understand understand Mm. it and understand why it would be so hurtful um like i can't remember where i saw this it might have just been a tweet that i saw a really long time ago but it's really stuck with me Um, And it was saying that, like, if you have never had an in-depth conversation with any of your Black friends about how racism affects their life, they are not a Black friend. They are a Black acquaintance. 
um, <laughs> because you like you have in order to like develop an understanding of a different an experience that's different to yours you have to talk to people and try to empathize with people who do have those experiences um and if you're not talking about like if you've never had a conversation with a black friend about how racism affects their life like mm. that means like it either hasn't come up or it, they haven't like found a like you're not creating an environment that seems like they would trust you enough with that mm. um which is like friendship is built on trust <laughs> yeah of course um, and yeah. Yeah. yeah so i think a lot of that comes down to knowing that despite you'll never you'll never live through these experiences and you can't like you wouldn't be able to write a poem about like being called an n-word yeah. um but like if you experience like if you see it happen like you were of someone who like watching racism happen um yeah tell that story because like people of color can't be the only ones talking about racism yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> like more people like white people need to talk to other white people about racism mm -hmm. that way because if it doesn't get talked about again it must not exist yeah right a big thing of why black the black lives matter movement was um so like had such horrible white backlash because mm. a lot of the people who are being like no 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 blue lives matter it's because like, they don't have any black friends like they yeah. don't have any people that they've talked frankly about the experience of racism in their lives um yeah and that's and not the, yeah sorry yeah, yeah not it's just the, like a failure <laughs> yeah right i think it was this not yeah not letting their ego believe that there is something that is there but they can't see it like perhaps it's a bit of a lose of control because like i can't see it i never felt it so it's not there like exactly and, <laughs> but you already said like a, a important points um what i can do the first thing i think was listen like yeah really talk different well it's yeah. i think general like when you I think when you travel a lot and stuff, you start doing that either way. And that's basically one of my main ideas of this podcast to, mm -hmm. to get, to ask a bit of uncomfortable questions that just like smash ego and smash the, the borders of my own thinking, like learning new perspectives. And that's what it's kind of about. And like, that's a big deal with like, yeah, racism and stuff to listen there but even all the other stuff you're fighting for to any kind of equality basically to listen mm -hmm. to the other perspective i think um what was the next thing just said that what 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 should, oh yeah talk to other white people about it like yeah <laughs> um yeah um even just things like Because I mean, part of the listening, like listening is like a really like big umbrella, I would say. Um, like how, like I'm assuming you read, read a lot of books, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. How many authors of color uh, have you read in the last year? Um, if color is like all everything out of europe and stuff quite a bit because <laughs> i've read like buddhist 
stuff a lot and like teachings of yeah like tibetan people yeah. and stuff like that you do so. better than most people who <laughs> already and look at my <laughs> here's my thing the bhagavad gita is clearly indian yoga stuff is india zen japanese hatha yoga is another indian guy it's all here it's just all not white <laughs> not european cool. like so you're like way <laughs> totally different because um <laughs> A lot of people who read um, like fiction and poetry and that sort of thing, almost like the publishing world is dominated by white authors. Mm. Um, and like you can find authors of color or like, I don't know, how many of your books are uh, written by women or by non-men? Yeah, right. There you got me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah part of the listening and part of like the learning about other experiences like comes down to like reading re like consuming art in general by people who don't have the same experience as you yeah. um and that's not necessarily just space or a feminism or a queer thing like it's just like if you read or yeah. you read widely if you read a lot of books already reading like trying to like read a very diverse set of authors like you're not gonna like them all you're not gonna agree with them all but at least that's extra information to have not rock knocking around in your brain yeah that will better inform like your opinions and think about other people um so it's just part of like the active listening <laughs> it's not just yeah right listening to conversations yeah and i and apply that to like how many um how many films have you seen by a female director lately mm. well i like, wouldn't even know i don't yeah. know what directors <laughs> but in general like i don't know which directors do which movie like i don't i'm yeah. not so or like how many um i don't know like how many indigenous comic book writers have you read mm. like how many that's like, a good advice like in general like like the whatever third fourth whatever we just had um to yeah once in a while just look at the book shelf and see and every year every half year you put one from a different culture or a different background and just yeah yeah you be aware of what's happening outside of the own comfort zone yeah and just lost another idea Mm. we were talking about listening we were talking about talking to other white people and not even just other white people like you can just talk to other dudes about like ah like my friend the other day said she got cat called four times on the street <laughs> uh, what do you think about that <laughs> um, actually what, what does that mean <laughs> cat calling cat yeah. calling is A when calling. men yell uh rude sexual things mm. at women on the street um yeah like even before right before lockdown happened we were walking down the street and uh this guy like bent down to like whisper something in my ear as he was passing by and i think it was in it was another language it wasn't english or german so i didn't understand what it was but it was still really like creepy and invasive and mm. i could like just feel how sexual it was even though like i yeah. couldn't understand what he was saying um and yeah like that circles back around to like as a dude 
this is not something you would ever experience and it's pretty invisible like my partner was standing right next to me and he didn't notice that the guy because mm. he just saw a guy walking past but the guy like like really quickly as he walked past um yeah. and yeah like this is the kind of thing that like if it's never happened to you you're not on the lookout for it um and you wouldn't know that it happens quite regularly yeah yeah well it's all during travels it all started i started to listen to a lot of ghosts telling me the weirdest stories i could never imagine but then again i meeting new groups of guys again and again and mm. being in new groups of guys talking like i don't know i wasn't aware like my comfort zone circle of people back home wasn't that probably already not as sexist as other men groups and so i was shocked like <laughs> what the fuck people talk yeah. and um, well in australia there's the c word everybody uses frequently there's so the b crazy. word everybody <laughs> use all the time like i think in some yeah. if you're a friendship circle or something and you use it i think it might be funny somehow and it's the thing but for me it was yeah. a bit like weird to like i never yeah got on track and i even called some people out when they were like mm -mm, writing me like I heard this on that farm I was working. There's this new girl working. Well, there's no new. What did they say? I think they said they're just writing. There was this new bitch on the farm working. How is she? And I was like, what the fuck? There's no B. This, there's, yeah. yeah, there was a new woman, com woman coming to work here. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like, what? <And> I, <laughs> I started to call that out, but somehow, yeah. Um, yeah, and it's, it's really such a long process. Hard, I don't know. And uncomfortable work to call out anything, um, and yeah. like that's I think part of why it continues is because like people who use like really sexist or racist or homophobic language, like they use it because they're comfortable with it, and like there's a certain element of embarrassment with getting called out, especially like in a group of friends mm. that makes them kind of want to like double down and push back. Um, and it only, I think it only really works if other people in the group agree. Mm. Um, but if you're like the only person in a group being like, Hey, it's really not okay to call women bitches. <laughs> um, and everyone else is like, no, whatever. No. Like yeah. it's, hard to be the one to do that all the time over and yeah. over <laughs> i didn't do it all the time but i started and i yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and if more people start doing it like things will get better but just because it's hard like it's yeah. not something people want to do or enjoy doing yeah, um yeah. i will say it is fun when you make a game out of it um like just have a list of responses in your head. Like if you yeah. know that you're like going to be hanging out with a group of people um, or hanging around a group of people with certain ideals that don't really align, um, like yeah. knowing what the standard stock responses are um, is a pretty effective way to shut it down very quickly. Like um, yeah. 
like was, your thing uh, with with uh touching here touching yeah like knowing people <laughs> being like like when people are like oh my god can i touch your hair it's like oh my god i'm not a, zoo, a petting zoo yeah um, and not everybody knows this but uh there used to be human zoos in Europe and America where yeah, they right brought black people uh, to be on display for white zoo visitors. Yeah. Um, so not everyone's going to be aware of that, but I get a lot of uh, joy. <laughs> Just like a fiendish, vindictive joy of reminding <laughs> people that, those, that they're like acting like those people who went to a fucking human zoo to look at black yeah. people cages uh when i'm like yeah i'm a i'm not a petting zoo animal um yeah i th I don't know if i found that out through you or i don't know but i've seen pictures or like drawings of that kind of setting and such yeah yeah you wouldn't imagine that i don't know what europeans yeah. did or still do <laughs> <laughs> And it's funny too because um especially living in Europe now, um like coming from America and especially coming from the South, um because mm -hmm. I'm from Texas, people are like, Wow, it must be so racist there. And I'm like, Y'all know who like imported exported racism everywhere, <laughs> right? <laughs> Y'all are the primary exporters of that particular good. <laughs> yeah. So is but Berlin house like how is the comfort there? Um, I feel pretty it must comfortable be, it must be here kind of okay, in general. Right? Um, and like in Neukölln, I really specifically because there's like a very high uh, like Turkish and Syrian and Lebanese mm. population, I can yeah. I'm like just racially ambiguous enough to kind of get away with like looking sort of like a local, especially with the Mohawk. <laughs> in <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had a weird thing just at the beginning of the quarantine. Um, we had a Norwegian um, flatmate and she left because her school got shut down quite soon or it was about to shut down for her. It was no point staying here while she couldn't go to her school while she was here. Um, so she left and she packed her stuff. We were in the staircase and some neighbor came out of the door and starting like looking at us like crazy i was like get out get out we were talking english in the hallway and just because of that i think she started assuming oh, foreign people oh, they all have corona oh, get out yeah and yeah and it's i was been super shocked crazy. and i didn't really get it at, like we yeah. i was like is something wrong and then and then i switched to german <laughs> And was asking like, are there any problems? And yeah. I don't know, I just afterwards I understood like she heard English language and people like that. And she was, because of that, she was angry and wanted us to get out to not be the Corona source, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it's definitely been, um, there's definitely been a, like a very, palpable uptick in racism against Asians uh, mm, even I heard that, yeah. um, like a friend of mine has been organizing 
food donations for homeless homeless people because like obviously there's a lot of homeless people in Berlin and a lot of the organizations that normally support them have shut down for the quarantine. Um, so she's just been like going out with like gloves, mask, everything, like going to the grocery mm. store, getting a bunch of like canned soup and stuff and bread and things that will like help feed people um, and hanging them up all over all over Berlin and like even the homeless people are, would like be like yelling and shouting abuse at her and calling her Corona really? and like get out of your Corona we don't want your infected food blah 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 and it's it's like she's so, literally out here trying to help yeah. like she's yeah. trying to do what she can in a shit situation because she doesn't live in Berlin either but the person whose flat she's renting can't come back to Berlin and she can't go back mm. to Heidelberg, back to her university. So she just like is stuck here in Berlin, not making money, mm. out here like doing extra stuff. Cause most people are just quarantining yeah. and doing their own thing, but she's like yeah. actually like risking her life to get people fed and she's still dealing with yeah, like, horrible racism. Um, that's yeah. other stories where, yeah, people have to start listening that this exists even just here in front of our door. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, it's funny to think that even in like very progressive cities, they're not as progressive mm. as they think they are. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Hmm. Let's see where this goes. Yeah. Um, yeah, but in the end, um, I have to thank you a lot for, because through your, I, I don't know, I don't know, do you know the story, how I even got info about your existence? I still yeah. remember that because I was going to the library to like, do some app and research stuff, the Central Melbourne Library. And yeah one day there was this pop-up of you like you were the headline of the library news and it was oh. such a such a expression in that picture so i had to i don't know i clicked on it i was like i never clicked on it it was like when you log on to wi-fi this pops up i was like okay gone but whoa. your picture was there like whoa what's that and then clicked on it and I saw your performance and I was so fascinated that I had to go and check out where you perform and stuff. Oh so I really God. went to Jumbo Cafe just because of you. And, That's crazy. Oh um, <laughs> no, I didn't know this. <laughs> <laughs> and what happened afterwards was that um, I dived into, I, I didn't really look up Poetry Slam stuff so much before or performances yeah. like that, spoken word. And with that entrance, I started to go to so many events and I met some incredible people through that. I've been to so many interesting performances through, I don't know, whatever kind of performances there were. Um, some crazy deep diving feminist stuff about um, like, yeah, rape in the end and stuff like that, where I was sitting there like just boom, <laughs> I, I, I don't know you know it exists but when somebody's standing in front of you and it's just and she is talking about experience like that in such a powerful way I'm like what the fuck are we doing 
And um, <laughs> afterwards, I started every new town I went, like, um, yeah, a year after or wherever I went yeah, to New Zealand for a year. And the first thing I always did was check Poetry Slam Auckland, Poetry Slam Dunedin, Poetry Slam Christchurch. Or, <laughs> and I've been to such amazing performances and like slams or just like spoken word stuff an incredible yeah. Maori performance where they made like, yeah, it was about um, depression in Maori culture and like discrimination and um, how their culture got like, yeah, tried to eradicate by whatever English, European, whatever was all there. Yeah, and yeah about the the pride of the culture and bringing that back and and even like queer maori again and then so powerful things i've seen through this what started with just i think your picture on the just yeah on the library oh, and such an <laughs> um love for that kind of art i think this spoken word performance artist thing so yeah cool. <laughs> i really want to thank you for that oh my god and thank you uh, library of melvin for putting my photo <laughs> up <Dang. laughs> yeah i wouldn't know if i would have looked it up before before i was just checking like concerts in town but not like this yeah and this oh man that's that's amazing i had no idea <laughs> that's so cool look at uh, that and it's funny because that's what I do as well. Like anytime I'm yeah. going to a new city, I look up like spoken word city and see yeah. where it is. <laughs> across the board, like every country I've been to where I've gone to a poetry night, every single one, like the community has just been filled with really amazing people who have in, who are really eloquent about their own experiences, regardless yeah. of what they are. Um, even even straight cis white dudes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it happens. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's the 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 amazing I, global I, community. Somehow, I, I, in my head or in my experience, it formed this connection of um, when a city has a an active spoken word poetry slam scene, or like movement kind of thing i liked that city like there was more coming with it like there were different aspects to it most of them when they had this kind of artist in their town then there were i don't know like it was quite social there were like interesting performances art there were mostly a lot of students a lot of veg vegan cafes and stuff like that like <laughs> like just like people with open minds for change and open minds for everything. And yeah. somehow my entrance was always like, okay, let's see if they have some cool spoken word performances <laughs> and then you find all the other stuff afterwards. Yeah. Oh, that's so good to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really cool because I mean, one of those things when you're like a super idealistic young artist, you're like, I want to change the world with my poetry. And you're mm -hmm. like, 
if you start doing it more, you're like, okay, no, I'm not going to change the world with just my words. Like, mm. and that's okay because having someone like a live performance, like having someone tell you their story is more effective than someone just telling you a story. Mm. Um, and you don't have to, the thing is like good art doesn't have to change the world. Like it can, if it changes someone's mind, that yeah. is already a world That's unto enough. itself. Yeah. Um, so it's really good to hear that you like had all of these like crazy like <laughs> moments of like, wow, I never thought about it like that before for, from watching yeah. poets because it's like, yes, it is working. We're not <laughs> so shouting okay. into the void. <laughs> Yeah. And ah, that was another thing. I started telling that people too. Like when I saw an awesome performance somewhere afterwards going there and like, Hey, that was great. Even though nobody was listening or clapping in a cafe somewhere, wherever <laughs> I was like, Hey, that was great. <laughs> Every performer wants at least one person like you in the audience. Like yeah. <laughs> there's one person who's going to listen. Like, okay. Yeah. Happy. <laughs> Yeah. Honestly, it's not doing this for nothing. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah. Thanks for all that. I'm gonna ask a, a question at the end. I want to do that. I want to see if that works at the end of the things. Okay. Um, you're gonna see. It makes sense when you see my name of the podcast and everything when it comes out. Um, cool. What is your big why right now, or do you have a big why, or what is your drive? Like, what is driving you? Uh, I would say my big drive um, is building communities. Um, and like, and I think especially during this like time of coronavirus, it's um, like, I've really, really learned how much that I depend on my community and how much I can support my community. And if everyone working together to support each other it makes things a lot easier um so for example like i mean our, most of my community in berlin is artists obviously mm. berlin is <laughs> artists um but through this poetry community especially um we ended up having to quarantine like fully quarantine no leaving the house nothing for 12 days because we thought that we had potentially been exposed to the virus mm. and we didn't want to take any chances we didn't want to infect other people so it's like okay we're just gonna quarantine for two weeks and if we don't have any symptoms then we'll be okay but other than that like we're just gonna like hang out here and hope for the best and hope we don't start coughing um <laughs> yeah but like we started like like we started running out of like a few things like eggs or like just minor groceries and it's like well can't go to the store for that um or like i had like um just i had like a minor infection that i was like i can't even go to a pharmacy to go and get this thing that, like just like one little like packet that you stir in water and drink <laughs> um and like people from our community just showed up like they like dropped cool. so like a period started and like somebody post like dropped like a bar of chocolate in our mailbox like somebody else brought us eggs somebody else brought us like vinegar and like for cleaning that's and, sweet yeah It was, it was amazing and then like some other friends of ours we were running out of toilet paper and we had some extras so we like went around to their house and like shoved them 
like they lived on the ground floor so we like shoved toilet paper rolls through the window <laughs> to them oh it's so <laughs> cool it's, it's been a really really amazing time to see how much community can mm. be there for each other um so like i think i'm both very grateful for the community i have and very driven to like keep it going um yeah cool yeah, that's my big cool beautiful <laughs> thank you a lot for that talk i think i had a lot of beauty in it <laughs> thank you <laughs> and for your yeah insight and Thanks. i hope i wasn't too all over the place <laughs> i hope to yeah i hope i don't know when all this is over i don't know i can come up to berlin again got some other friends either way when it's visit would love to yeah. visit a performance um yeah. so yeah let's see when that's gonna happen and yeah just happy quarantine i would say yeah <laughs> <laughs> happy quarantine <laughs> no thank really, you a lot really good to see you. <laughs> yeah really good to talk to you thanks so much yeah.